Let's get it. Now turn the beat up, beat up, I think I feel it, feel it, we talking Jesus, Jesus, he be the realest, realest, we rep that raw, raw, we so official, official, and after this, homie, we taking pictures, pictures, the paparazzi watching, they on my radar daily, we repping Christ, that Christ, he be the savior, excuse my raw behavior, huh, I do his will, his will without Jada, will without Jada, talking nonsense. No, no, I see you later, later. I left that life alone. We thinking greater, greater. Now I'm on God's team. The devil calls me traitor. I had that slum thinking. I'm thinking skyscrapers. I talk abundant life. Lil homie, you should try it. Now put your wallet away. Uh, no need to buy it. He the Messiah, the one who lit the fire. Uh, we live for Yahweh. I get what I desire. Now, now turn that. Beat up, beat up, I think I feel it, feel it, not turn it, beat up, beat up, I think I feel it, feel it, not turn it, beat up, beat up, I think I feel it, feel it, turn it, beat up, beat up, we back in the building, man, we back in the building, hey man, I'm so glad that you're here, man, we got some things, we got some wonderful things that's in store for you, tonight I got a wonderful guest, man. He's so phenomenal. I've known him for years, man. But I haven't had a deep dive into his life. And tonight, we're going to get a little deep dive. You know, you're going to have to buy the book to get the whole story. But, hey, let me tell you something, man. This man is phenomenal. And I've been knowing him for years. His name is Tommy Anderson, man. He's the director over there. He's the director of operations over at Charm Ministries, man. You've seen... uh my man Dave and everything, man. But what I want to do, first of all, this is a progression podcast, man, where we speak on liberation, education, and elevation, man. Like I explained, I was liberated from the streets. I was educated in the pen, penitentiary, and then I was elevated by God when I gave my life to him. Now, I want to let y'all know, introduce y'all to my man. He coming in. Tommy Anderson, man, that's my man. What's going on, brother? Good, it's good, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Oh, man, I got to have you on the show, man. You know what I'm saying? Because you got to, the show is called, this show, I name every show a different show. Even though it's called The Progression Podcast, I name it, this one called Redemption. All right, all right. I've I've heard your testimony a little bit of it, you know, and I think of redemption once I hear your testimony. But I'm going to let you tell the people, I'm going to give you some questions and let you tell the people what really is up. You know what I'm saying? I want to give a shout out to the people at Charm Ministries, the people over there at Josiah's House Ministries, the people at Eyes on Me, Inc. Hey, man, we got a lot of friends out here, man. We got a lot of friends. And you know what I always hear you say? It's better on this side. No, it's good on this it's side good. of Jesus. There it Ooh, is. That's what I'm talking about, man. So Amen. I, I started off with <clears throat> our theme uh, verse. It comes from 2 Corinthians 17, man. I mean, 5 and 17. 
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are, have become new. So that's what this whole podcast is about. It's giving a voice to the brothers that have been incarcerated, ex-felons that have came out, gave their life to Jesus, and then God has elevated them to new spaces. You know what I'm saying? So yes, as you see on the screen, Tommy Anderson, Director of Operations, Charm Ministries, you know what right. I'm saying? So we finna get deep into it. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. So what was your, I want to start off small and then mm -hmm. we'll go up. What was your childhood life like, teen life, and where are you from? Okay, oh, really? I'm I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri, uh, born and raised on the west side of St. Louis. Um, oh, St. Louis. My child life, and I was, uh, uh, my mom died when I was four years old, mm. um, and my great-grandmother raised me, and she died when I was 12, and wow. uh, I mean, great childhood as far as structure, eating good, clean home. Um, my Actually, my great-grandma was a, a daughter of a slave, uh, wow. so, you know, that's a different dynamic than you know. Hey, let's not uh, skip that. Let's not skip that. You said yeah. the daughter of a slave. Absolutely, yes, sir. Really? They were migrated from out of Mississippi, um, and they, uh, uh, my great grandparents, uh, you know, ran from slavery, and so my mm -hmm. great grandmother who raised me uh, was absolutely a daughter of a slave. Wow. Yeah. When I think of that, I think of you know I watch Roots. Roots is one of my favorite movies. I done watched it like 80 times, right? When Chicken mm -hmm. George get all his, his kinfolk out of there and they go to yeah. that new land, that's what I think of right there. Well, that's where they came. They they migrated to uh, uh, north, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And yeah. um, um, but like I said, my great-grandma raised me. She died when I was 12 years old. And basically, since the age of 12, I've been on my own, right? Wow. The streets took me fast. Uh, mm -hmm. Dropped out of school in the seventh grade, um, but I had, uh, you know, I had hustle. You know, I had hustle, right? I, and uh, uh, my life just, you know, turned. You know, started, you know, selling weed. I was in the third grade. You know, uh, you were selling, selling weed in the third grade, Tommy. Third grade, yes, sir. Tommy, I gotta bring you closer. I gotta bring you closer. All right, Tommy, you was you were selling weed in the third grade. I was selling weed and smoking weed. Boy, you was yes, like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you saw. Yeah, ain't it? I mean, at the funerals, after the funerals, you know, everybody they sneak off and smoke some weed and they drop their little roaches, you know. And now, when you see I, that, you probably, you probably, yeah, there you go. That was yeah, life, yeah, that was yeah, life. And of course, there was a progression in all of that, right? Right, you know, right. Um, ended up, like I say, uh, 12 years old was in, you know, uh, um, shelters, lived in shelters. Uh, my mm -hmm. sister took me and my oldest sister, and I was pretty much just on my own, started working. I've been working since I was eight years old, but nonetheless, got my first job at the age of 15 uh, working at Pizza Hut, you know, in, in Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri. And you know, everything just progressed from smoking weed to selling weed to uh, selling crack, smoking crack, uh, a whole nine yards, find myself. Um, probably at the uh, age of 18, uh, strung out, attempts to suicide, just trying to be free, 
Uh, that was my deal. I didn't, you know, the life that I live. I was a victim, you know. Mama died. Daddy wasn't there, you know. So I was a victim, you know. Uh, so I thought I was a victim. That was my mentality. And uh, found myself, called myself starting life over. And I, that's how I ended up here in Houston, Texas uh, since uh, 1989. Now, what made you come to Houston in 89? Right. So I had an uncle who was down here, was in retail sales. Uh, so he had a store downtown Houston. He was the clothes man. I was the clothes man in St. Louis. I learned that trade from my father. Uh, I worked dressing like this. Huh? You'd be dressing so fly all the time. Uh, yeah, I've been dressing all my life, man. Yeah, I've been seeing right. you. Yeah, I've been seeing you. Yes, sir. That's how I ended up here. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's real. That's real. Yeah. Okay, I got now you ended up here. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to shy away from this one. I say you went okay. through the childhood, you went through mm -hmm. your lineage and teen life, then you got to Houston. What was that like? It's a new spot. You, yeah, it was a brand new spot, man. Uh, I, this may offend some of y'all, but y'all was a little slow down here. In hey, Houston. hey, okay, you know, right, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, it's lovely, don't get me wrong, it's lovely. I love it. This is home for right, me, right. and right. I ne never worry about going back to St. Louis. Uh, but the visit that's about it. Uh, but nonetheless, man, it was, it was live down here. I came down here to, you know, help my uncle with his business and call myself starting life all over again. But I found out that everywhere that I went, I was there, right? And so, uh -huh. you know, I was. I where was, you are is I, where you are. Thing I did in St. Louis, you know, I I did right here in Houston. You know, started, right. you know, selling dope. And I got to the point where I was trafficking from Houston to St. Louis. You know, moving keys from one state to another. And uh, of course, that didn't last long before I found myself, you know, hooked on crack again. You know. Mm. All right. So now we get, we then went through the lineage, we went through the problems that you're having. But sometimes we mm. don't even think they problems because we might be dressing fly, mm. like me. Mm -hmm. I used to dress fly. I used to uh, wear jewelry, and I, I had cars, and I had nice little spots. And I didn't think I had a problem. I was like, no, let's see the crackheads out there, the ones that don't have nothing, they got the problem. I ain't got a problem. And so mm -hmm. it was a dude named Dauphine Lewis was in my neighborhood and I was talking mm -hmm. about him real bad. You know, I was like, oh, crackhead this, crackhead that. And so he said something to me that messed my mind up. He said, look, me and you the same. You mm -hmm. like what you like and I like what I like. We the same. We both dolphins. And I That's say, right. golly, this dude is right. I'm a dolphin. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm messed up. Right. So I'm going to ask you this question. It's, it's not a hard one, though. It's, it's real easy. What led you to prison? All right. Um, what led me to prison? <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, man, you, the you my origin. I, I got you. The, the sin, sin led me to prison, but nonetheless, yeah. okay. I, no, I like that. I like that. Hey man, let me unpack it for you. So I found myself standing before a judge, uh, mm. uh, being sentenced to 25 years for party to a homicide. Uh, mm. Texas has a, a law of parties where if right. you participated in any kind of way in the crime, 
you down with it, right? And they sentence you accordingly. The only thing difference in my sentence is that I didn't have a, a, what you call an affirmative finding of a weapon, which means only simply means that my time wouldn't be aggravated, but at the same time, they could treat it aggravated by denying you parole, to which I was denied parole, I believe, six or seven times, right? And so I was uh, convicted of uh, homicide um, as the state law, and uh, I was sentenced to 25 years in Texas Department of Criminal Justice, man, in 1996. Yes, sir. So that was easy. You know, that would tell you what led you to prison. You stood before that judge. You know what? I asked a question. I like to ask this question. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people evade the question because sometimes they feel like they forgot or they put it out their mind Mm -hmm. or it's just some, you know, I don't know. But this is the question I ask people. Mm-hmm. What was it like walking into prison for the first time? Oh, my God. Bro, I'll never forget that day. Uh, I mean, the county jail was one thing, right? So I, mm-hmm. I was in Sagan County Jail, right? You know, they yeah. threw me in there. I got beat up because I tried to escape. I told them I ain't no prisoner. I ain't killed yeah. nobody. I was going to have to kill me to keep me. And they was willing to do everything that I just blurted out my mouth. They yeah. killed me. So I ended up in SEG, and I stayed in SEG for about seven months before I got shipped to uh, TDCJ. And, uh, man, I got off that bus in Huntsville, Texas, boy. And when I tell you uh, a shock, it was a shock. It was a uh, transition uh, um, transit facility, orientation uh, facility. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, uh, Charm is going in over there on the 25th. Yeah, I'm going holiday. Yeah, I'm going with y'all, man. That was the first unit I went into, man. When I walked through them back doors, I saw dudes look like giants, dressed in (laughs) white, clean shaven, and uh, they told me, uh, "Get up out of." I'm like, "Get up out of what? (laughs) Get up out of what? (laughs) Get up out of? Get up out of?" I say, "What you talking about?" So, man, you need to take off all your clothes and throw them over there in that pile. I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, right? So I get up out of my shirt and my pants. I leave my underwear on. They told me, you need to come on up out the underwear too, partner. Yeah, yeah. I said, man, y'all got to be tripping. Y'all got to be tripping, you know? Um, I complied. I came on out the underwear. That's what it was like, man, walking in there for the first time for them folks to tell you to bend over and cough and spread mm-hmm. your butt cheeks and lift up your tongue and raise your your sack and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. man. It was terrible, right? Yeah. And then they throw you up in the shower and give you a little bitty piece of soap and tell you to yeah. shower, you know? Ain't no and suds coming from that. that. Yeah, Ain't no huh? suds coming from that. Oh, it won't no. be no suds or nothing. That mug just... <laughs> it's an no, open shower. Was... All of the women there who worked during intake, it was just absolutely uh, very humbling, man. You know, yeah, it's an open yeah. shower. Everybody's walking by and you sitting there, you know, but next. Yeah, I mean at that point because I think it was one time I was trying to shame, I was trying to shame a guard into not doing it. I mm-hmm. was saying, 
man, so do you go home and be like a real police officer to your family? Like I, I done chased down six people, I busted uh, a drug ring, or do you really tell them the truth that you be watching dudes all day bend over and, you know, do you yeah. do that? I tried to shame him into not doing it that day, but he still right. did. Still you know, did. I guess the cameras was watching, he like, I'm going to still do it, you know. Yeah. So yeah. that's crazy when you first walk in, you see it's another world because that's just like with me. Uh, when I first came, see, I was in, I went to the county, but I went to FDC when I mm -hmm. first went to prison. And so that's a federal hole. It's okay, but when you first get, I, I went to the prison, I was in lock. I was on lock for about, I think, 30 days before they let me on the, the, the farm. And it was like, I'm going to tell you, my first day, I knew that was it for me. Mm. I said, man, I ain't going to do no more drugs. Yeah, <laughs> I'm through. Yeah. But I what, what happened was, the drug thing I can niche, it's like some things when you give it to Jesus, is some things that's easy for you to do. Mm -hmm. Some things wasn't easy for me to get rid of. That's why I ended up back in prison the second time because that greed, that money greed, even though mm -hmm. I'm not doing this, I'm not, you know, right. still cheating on my taxes or doing this, yeah. trying to find mm -hmm. another hustle. I knew that first day when I went in, I was through with certain things. Mm -hmm. So, but you had a quarter. Yes, sir. Yes. I only did, well, I had 60 months at the first one, you know what I'm saying? So I knew I was going to get in and get out, but you right. had a quarter. No, that was my first time down. Um, actually, I'd never been in prison before. And um, I end up doing uh, 17 years, seven months, mm. and 11 days on that 25-year sentence. Um, so, but at, I mean, the good part about it, before I even got to the penitentiary, man, I had met the Lord um, in that jail cell, 5D5, man. I, there was an encounter that I never forget, man. So God had, you know, already prepared. What about prepared that? that, what about well, that I, I tell you, man, uh, it was the best day ever, man. May 11, 1996. Um, mm -hmm. I was in Ag 5D5. I never forget it. Uh, fifth floor, D block, and five cell, 5D5. And uh, in there is nothing but a, uh, a a bed, which is a steel cot, uh, a shower that's made of brick, and the mm -hmm. toilet and sink connection together. That was all that was in there. And wow. uh, on the desk, it was a desk that's connected to the wall. On that desk, man, it was a little pamphlet about the size of this here paper right here, man. And it had the gospel of Jesus Christ on it. I picked it mm -hmm. up and I read it. And God opened my understanding. Uh, number one, that I was a loss. I was lost and I was a sinner. And I was bound for hell. But God opened my understanding to his love that I needed to put my faith and my trust in the Lord. And I keep this in mind. I say this just for, you know, clarification is that, you know, I wasn't calling on the Lord to get out of jail, right? I'm right. talking about you looking at a man who was demonically possessed, five attempts of suicide, man, just lost, lost and right. wanted to be free. And so all those attempts of suicide and drug overdosage and 
poison, put the pistol in my mouth, man, contemplating them, blow my brains out. All of that was just me wanting to be that free. Right. So God allowed me to walk in that cell and see the gospel on the track, man, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I uh, I cried out to the Lord, man, uh, right there in that cell. And uh, the Lord saved me, bro. He gave me an appetite for his word. I just had a longing desire just to get in God's word and get in prayer. Like I say, had nothing to do with the penitentiary, man. Just had to do with my soul being set free. You say this segment is called redemption, man. That's the redemption story right there. That's cold, man. That's why I look at this thing as, you know, it changed my life when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It took me the second time to go. Mm -hmm. uh, and but but in the first time, even before the first time, when I was doing county stints back in the nineties, mm -hmm. past I mean, uh, Chaplain Downs, he was he was introducing me to Christ. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't. I was listening. And I was like, wow, okay, he's opening up my eyes. But then when I was released, I went back mm -hmm. to the old, just acting a fool. Mm -hmm. But then that led me back to prison. And once that led me back to prison, I still didn't feel a need to play the part in the whole movement of mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, you know. And so right. I didn't do it. I went to church. I went to church services, but I went to Jumar. And I went to... Mm -hmm. Christian church. You know, I was just, you know, right. just wibbly wobbly. But mm -hmm. then I got out and I went to church and it was the same thing. I went up there and do say, if you want to be saved, come up here. I was tired mm -hmm. of my life anyway. But I, I went up there, repeated after him, you know, what he yeah. said, you mm -hmm. know. And, and I walked out to church thinking that Shoot, it ain't work, man, you know, because I still feel the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how I felt. But I felt like, like I always say, I wanted grace and I wanted to be saved, but I didn't want him to be my Lord. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to acknowledge mm -hmm. Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and yeah. my all is for him. I didn't want to do that. Right. You wanted fire insurance. Yeah, you know, like I just wanted a spare tire, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. A spare tire, yeah. I just. And so, mm -hmm. man, now, now I want to ask you about the time you got out. Okay. You know, the when you got out, was it rough for you? Was it easy for you? What happened? What was going on? I've been asked that question several times, and you know, people's assumption is when I was got out because I did so much time that it would be somewhat difficult, right? And that is for some people, it was difficult. It's difficult that transitioning, that getting acclimated with society, um, oftentimes is, is a big challenge for many. Uh, however, uh, it wasn't a challenge for me. Right. Um, I tell people all the time the challenge would for me was a 17 years, seven months and 11 days inside a penitentiary locked up with a bunch of men wearing yeah. the same clothes, not making decisions on what I want to eat, uh, not being able to contact my family when I wanted to contact my family. That was strange. Hmm. Right. So being out here 
wasn't strange to me. It's exactly where I suppose that was for me. I'm not, you know, knocking somebody else whose experience is different because people's mentality and perception and life is different. And also I prepared myself. I stayed abreast, you know, with educating myself, reading and, you know, in God's word and serving. So I was in motion. You know what I mean? Before I even got out, I didn't get out and and, and was like shocked, you know, or whatever. You know, I had a mission. I had a vision. I had uh, uh, goals in place that was set that I had to just, you know, walk into and live it out. Yeah, that's what I always say, man. You know, that second time, you know, I started studying his word and Mm -hmm. I turned my mind to steel. Because I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm pit bull ready. I'm fed the word day and night. And so mm-hmm. when I get out, you know what I'm saying, these, uh, I'm going to build my uh, my force field. That's what I used to call it, mm-hmm. my force field. I probably didn't go to Fifth Ward in probably like two years when I got mm-hmm. out. Because right. a guy told me in prison, he said, a place that brings the worst out of you, you don't need to go there for a minute until you you know, build your force field up. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you got a lot of dudes that's Jesus Juniors that be like, man, I can handle it. I can go into that environment and I can come on that. But it couldn't be me. I couldn't handle it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't hang out now because it's just right. not my speed. I might go through my hood and, hey, what's up? And I might do a, a function out there, you know, to get the kids and stuff like that right. on the right track. But I don't hang with my homeboys like I used to. Now I love them and I love on them, but I don't do the same things I used to. I don't talk the way I used to talk. So it's kind of, you know, I'm I'm, I'm good. I'm all right. Right. But I ask you this. What are you doing now? Because Mm -hmm. I know know your story, but they need to know your story. You know what I'm saying? Because this show is on Apple Podcasts right now, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be on the JPay and Securus, you know, Mm -hmm. in the prisons where they get tablets now, right? Right. Yeah, they got the tablets now. So they're going to be listening to Tommy. They're going to see Tommy there and then get to listen to Tommy on my podcast. Okay. All right. So where I'm at right now. Go ahead. What are you doing now? Okay. Well, let me tell you this before I can tell you what I'm doing now. When I got out of prison, I was washing dishes for $9 an hour, right? Mm -hmm. At a brand new restaurant, man. And I worked like I own that purse. I was the best dishwasher that them folks would ever see in their life. I washed them dishes like I had to eat off of them and like I own the restaurant. So I went from dishwasher to salad prep and from salad prep to the saute cook till I started, I ran the place. They fired the chef and they made me the back of the house manager where I started Mm. hiring uh, ex-inmates just as well as I was and gave them second chances. So I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't come out and was director of operations, right? You know, so I washed dishes, right? I don't despise small beginnings, right? That's what I started. You humble yourself. Like the Bible said, humble yourselves and pray. Those, yeah. you know, those that are called by my name will, you know, will humble themselves right. and pray, seek my yes. faith. Before all that rundown, it was humble themselves. That's right. right. 
I watch right. when I got out of prison, I watched police cars for five dollars a car. Yeah. And I'm fifth war boy, 007. I just didn't want to go back into that environment. Right. I watched right. police cars for five dollars a car. Right. You know, before uh, elevated me to something different. Right. But I humbled myself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I see you humbled yourself. And then Absolutely. you was elevated. And you was elevated. Not elevated others. That's right. right yeah. Place. You didn't get to elevate others. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so I transitioned out of the restaurant business. I was offered a job here at Charm, which was a, a house manager. And mm -hmm. uh, of course, I accepted it. I was doing what I was already doing because I was a client of Charm, uh, a resident of Charm when I when I first got out. This is why I paroled to. Uh, was Christ Hope and Reconciliation Ministries when I got out. And so I was a house manager after the restaurant. And uh, I, of course, I accepted it. Full-time ministry, that was my call. And then from there, house manager, I served the house manager probably about uh, almost a year. And uh, of course, I met I met my wife um, at church and uh, we honored God in the whole process. Amen. And then they offered me a job to be uh, the supervisor of all of the homes, not just one of Charm has seven homes right now. And um, I, of course, I, I took that job and I went from supervisor to uh, transitional executive, which simply meant that I took her to transitional part of the ministry, the interviewing right. the people, people coming in, making sure managing all of the homes and, and Charm. And so recently, um, the position uh, was available where I stepped into being the director of operations, which simply means that I direct all of the departments of trauma, our donor relations, our uh, media, the transitional, the facilities. So I get to serve in that capacity along with, you know, serving at uh, director of operations and trauma ministries. That's where I'm at. Married now for six years. And I yeah. uh, got two beautiful kids, man. Uh, yeah. A five-year-old and a four-year-old. He'll be six yeah. on the twenty-first. You messing with a six-year-old and four-year-old? Hey, I remember before they was here. I remember you before right. they was here. Yeah. yeah. So That's it's right. a crazy thing, man. It's like St. Louis really got some strong uh, roots, though. On the cool, you know. Yeah. You got some strong roots. Yeah. Just fell by the wayside a little bit. Well, not a little bit, a lot of it. There you go. Then we ended up in a new land, mm -hmm. which is Houston. Yeah. A new land with an old man. Come on, somebody. Yeah. With the old <laughs> right. mind. New land so with an old mind. Right. That mind, and it wasn't renewed. It was just a new land. Yeah. Statistics that these people talk about on the news and stuff. You yeah. was one of the people, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's so right. yeah. then you ended up in prison, Texas mm -hmm. prisons at that. That's right. Then you give your well, you gave your life to the Lord. That's right. Right before you went in all the way. That's right. 17 some years and had your mind right. Yes, sir. Now sometimes, yeah. you know, 
I have to give you a salute for that, man. I just got to yeah. give you a salute because a lot of people will, that'll break them. Yeah. See, what yeah. It'd be adverse. Yes. Like what you went through will kill some people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Some people oh, yeah. will not make it through that, man. That's so right. So I got to salute you for it, brother. You, you are one of my mentors, man. I, uh, I look up to you. You know what I'm saying? Whenever I see you, you know, I might not say it, but I'm really right. like, man, that man, you know, you one of the people yeah. I've had in my life around, brother. You yes, know what sir. I'm saying? Because I look up to you. I've been knowing you for years. Yes, sir. But didn't know the backstory. Right. You know what I'm saying? I knew the new story. I probably right. knew the story from prison to up to this point. But beforehand, right. I didn't know. I didn't mm -hmm. know you were selling and smoking weed in third grade, man. Yes, like, sir. That was uh, yeah, now, it was, it was great. Now, it's a different thing that I do for this show. You know mm -hmm. how we always go to places and we speak because we are motivational speakers. They call us motiv I was a motivational speaker before I came to Christ. I was just motivating people to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. but, now, but now I'm motivating them to do the right thing, right? Mm -hmm. But I want you to say something, not to the kids, because people always say that. They say, man, what will you tell the youth? What will you tell the generations? That what I want to do is can you talk to the parent? Mm -hmm. Because you've seen something. It wasn't that you were just smoking weed in the third grade. You've seen something. We mm -hmm. ain't come out the womb know how to roll a sweet or a joint. Mm -hmm. You saw something and you said, I'm going to replicate that. Uh -huh. So right now, I want you to talk to the adult, right? Uh -huh. The adults that are in the world that have children that that's not, you know, doing it right. Right. Well, um, I can say uh, a lot to that. And one of the things I can say is that everybody has influence, right? Whether you know it or not, you have an influence. And as an adult, there is a default responsibility that many, when you're in darkness, you just don't realize it, right? When you look back, I think about the dude, and I'm, I'm going to want to get off your, your question. I think about the dude who first introduced me, crack cocaine, right? I never forget that cat, right? You know, and he was older than I was, right? And then from him to the woman who was older than I was. So they had an influence. And so here it is, I'm in this absorbent, um, phase in my life and wanting to learn life and what I thought was cool. I mean, he had a Cadillac and he used to work for the government and, you know, he had money. So me, you know, being on my you own since years old, I emulated what I saw. Right. right. And so those influence. So I would tell the parent is that, Hey, you need to be a good steward. You need to be responsible of your influence. Right. Because it's a generational effect. And if you are an adult and you feel in darkness, um, my encouragement is, man, to strive to set be set free. You know, call on the name of the Lord because God can use you more in the kingdom of light, even right. more so for an eternal purpose and for a good purpose versus operating in the kingdom of darkness, which brings separation. It brings heartache. It brings pain. It brings just generational poverty that 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 
the effects of it and the, the collateral damage to it, man, it's you can't even measure it. You know, I got a son who's 33 years old who's in the penitentiary in Missouri, right? Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't in his life. He and I, we good now. But at the same time, those influences that were in my life, now I'm responsible for my life. Now I'm not putting it on mm -hmm. nobody. I had to make decisions, but I mean, I'm making decisions at the age of 12 and 13, 14 years old to do dope, right? You know, so I that that shouldn't even have been the arena that I was in, right? Yeah, life altering, life altering. Exactly. It's exactly, but because we live in a fallen world that we in this fallen people, and so those who would listen to this podcast or or who has influence, those who are in prison, you know, man, speak life into those. You know, hey, man, I understood, mama or daddy, you ain't understand it, but man, look, there's a, there's a responsibility that we have to influence for eternal purposes. That's what I would say. That's exactly what I would say. Because I don't think yeah. that parents, when they birth children, they be in the, the, I don't think one parent, when they birth their child, and you know how they put the child in your hand, I don't think yeah. one parent say, you going to penitentiary, you no. going to be a dope head. You know, none of us. Right. But the things that we do, we influence the children mm -hmm. because daddies, sons yeah. gonna be their daddies. I mean, even yeah. if you never was around, it's some kind of thing that's I don't know, it's in their head. It's and a, you yeah. know, they might never was around you, but then mm -hmm. it's something, it's an enzyme, like we call right. that enzyme in you that that right. they know what's up. Yeah, yeah so they absolutely know what's up. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And then I just I don't want to take up too. I thought you. I know you're a busy man and everything, man. You good? You good? Man, I, I'm so glad I got to catch you, man, because I know you have a what you had a wonderful. I I mean, everybody done heard it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know you got a lot more to tell, but we gonna watch the movie when it come out. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'll get the book, which whichever one. You know. Yes, but man, it was yes, good sir. having you, man. And, and man, thank you for having this, doing this interview, man. It's, I'm gonna see you next week at the prison. I'm gonna be right. there. You know what I'm saying? Thank you thank so you. much, Tommy. I salute you, man, for everything yes, you do. All right, man. God bless, bless you. Me, thank you for having me, brother. God bless oh, you, man. Anytime, yeah. anytime. All you gotta yes, do sir. is send me a link, and I got you. Okay. You. All right. Okay, All, All right. right yes, bless you, man. Yes, sir. God bless. All right. All right. That was my man, Tommy Anderson, man. And so, hey, let me tell you something. That brother, that brother will open up and tell you the real. You know what I'm saying? He uh, did 17 years, over 17 years, man, in a penitentiary. And you know what? I just got to salute all my brothers out there that's in the struggle that's trying to come up and all my brothers that's in the pen that's going to be hearing this on the uh securities and jpay platform you know what i'm saying uh i just lost a good friend of mine you know last week Geraldine jennings you know what i'm saying my boy Geraldine jennings freeway you know a lot of people uh, hollering freeway, 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 but nobody knows how freeway really got his name.
Freeway got his name from Fifth Ward Boys hanging with us, you know what I'm saying? So, man, I want to uh, ask God for comfort for the Jennings family, my boy Enzel, uh, you know, Junebug, Red, you know, hey man, all the brothers, you know what I'm saying, and the sisters, uh, Mar Marshall, hey man, God got you, and I'll be at the funeral paying my respects to my friend, Freeway. And this is dedicated, this show is dedicated to Freeway. Y'all, keep it funky, man, you know what I'm saying, we're gonna come back with the next one, and it's gonna be some banger, you know what I'm saying? Give it up. Your boy 007 on this track right here. Hey, get out. Yeah, now turn the beat up, beat up, I think I feel it, feel it, we talking Jesus, Jesus, he be the realest, realest, we rep that raw, raw, we so official, official, and after this, homie, we taking pictures, pictures, the paparazzi watching, they on my radar daily, we repping Christ, that Christ, he be the savior, excuse my raw behavior, huh, I do his will, his will without Jada, will without Jada, talking none. Nonsense. No, no, I see you later, later. I left that life alone. We thinking greater, greater. Now I'm on God's team. The devil calls me traitor. I had that slum thinking. I'm thinking skyscrapers. I talk abundant life. Lil' homie, you should try it. Now put your wallet away. Uh, no need to buy it. He the Messiah, the one who lit the fire. Uh, we live for Yahweh. I get what I desire. Yeah, now Turn that beat up, beat up, I think I feel it, feel it, not turn that beat up, beat up, I think I feel it, feel it, not turn that beat up, beat up, I think I feel it, feel it, not turn that beat up.